Come on, church, would you welcome all of our campus locations? If you are new around here, we are one church in many locations, so I want to give a warm shout-out and welcome to the Garner campus, Sanford campus, Wake Forest. Keep it going. Come on. Hillsboro, North Durham, Columbia, Durham, Internet Campus, and uh, did you hear that we launched our second campus in Kenya last Sunday? Last Sunday. So now we have a campus in Thika Town, and we just launched a second campus, Kiganjo, and uh, really, really excited about that. So welcome to all of our campuses. We are so glad you were dialed in for this moment. Hey, um, so you guys been enjoying the series, Hot and Heavy? Um, we, we've talked about everything under the sun. We've talked about singleness and dating. We've talked about sex. We've talked about marriage. We've talked about pornography. We've talked about unfaithfulness. Uh, one week I talked about the stew. Remember Esau and the stew? And today we're going to kind of wrap it up and we're going to bring it all together and talk about one final installment of Hot and Heavy. And the teacher today is no stranger to us. He is a dear friend of mine. But what you might know and what maybe some of you might not know is he was my pastor for a few years when I was studying in Kentucky, doing my doctoral work right before I came back and started New Hope. And uh, as I was telling him earlier, uh, I like to call him Bro. His, his last name is Bro. Like, that, that's a great name, bro. Like, I, like bro, I wish I had the last, Benji bro. Bro is where it's at. I, I, was t I was telling bro, seriously, I don't miss anything about um, the doctoral program. It was so intense. But I deeply miss his preaching. He is, he is a teaching pastor for us now, which means he'll teach here five or six times a year. He is, I think, he would never say this because bro is humble. He, he's one of the most humble people I know, number one. But number two, this is personally speaking, he's one of my favorite communicators on the planet. Like, like for real. I mean, it's, and I, I mean that. I'm not just saying that. He, he knows that's how I feel. And I'm telling you, what he just did uh, in the last worship celebration is one of the best messages I've ever heard. And, and bro just has a way of speaking to the heart and the soul of a man or a woman and what it means to live this life for God. So I, I want you to, um, do, oh, 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 I need, I, I gave him a, a, a topic and a title this time. Normally I just wind him up and let him go because he doesn't need any title. He picks it. But, but this week's, I told him as a final of Hot and Heavy, I said, here's what we want you to talk about. How to stay hot and heavy as you grow old and wrinkly. Get you some of that. And some of you are so young, you're like, I'm not going to grow old and wrinkly. Really? Like, y'all know, y'all see what I'm doing to my face here? Everybody's coming up to me and they're saying one or two things. They're saying, Pastor, you have a beard. Uh, yeah. And then this is what most of you are saying. It's gray. I was born in 70. 47. Listen to me, young person. Don't blink. It flies by, right? Older people, I won't say old people. I'll say older people. Give the young people some love and let them know we're glad they're in church. 
But if you want to just nicely, lovingly, gently let them know that they're going to grow older too, let me hear you say hallelujah. <laughs> That's what I thought. Do what you do. Give honor where honor is due and welcome my friend, our teaching pastor, Mike Bro. Hey, it's uh, always, always a thrill to get to uh, be, at, be at New Hope, man. I'm so excited. This is, it feels like home to me when I, when I get to come here. Shout out to all the campuses and uh, great to be with you guys. Hope to meet you all uh, someday. As Benji said, we're wrapping up this series today uh, and so much good stuff has been shared in the past few weeks. If you haven't caught any of it, you need to get online and check that out. It is so good, such helpful stuff, rich stuff, really practical stuff, direct stuff. Uh, you need to check it out. So when he, when he told me about the series, I thought, well, after all that stuff, I'm really not sure I have anything more to add. Uh, so he said, well, we want you to do, uh, since you're the old guy around here, why don't you do uh, hot and heavy when you're old and wrinkly? And I thought, oh, okay. so. So I thought the way we'd wrap it up today, I wasn't I wasn't going to just talk to like uh, dating people, wasn't going to talk to just married people. I thought I'd just talk to everybody uh, today, uh, and I think if I think if you can just uh, you know embrace just a couple of simple principles, uh, it'll affect all your relationships. Your, all your relationships will flourish and really thrive and grow if we can, if we can stick these in our heart today. The, the way I look at it, and, and again, the older I get, the more reflective I am. Uh, but look, looking back, I think life can kind of be summed up. Now, it doesn't always go like this, but just in a normal flow of things, kind of by modes of transportation. I think you start right here. Anybody got, got one of these in your house right now, a little kid? And you, you stick your kid in here, or maybe when you were a, a, a kid, they stuck you in here. And, and they like, like they put like a Cheerios on the tray. And so you're just kind of riding along. It's your first drive-through experience. It really is. You're like eating while you're driving. It's just, it's just it, this one's even got a little mirror you can put on makeup while you're doing it to prepare you for the years that are to come. But this is how you kind of start out in one of these. And then you kind of graduate to maybe one of these, a tricycle or, or a big wheel. You, you might remember big wheels. Yeah. You ever, everybody had one of those things? I saw a couple little boys. My, my daughter lives in a cul-de-sac. I saw a couple little boys, probably three and four years old, just the other day. They're out on their big wheels, just, you know, skidding out. You know, just they, you, you can tell they just thought they were so cool on, the, on these big wheels. I had, a, I had a buddy who's a personal trainer, and his kids were very athletic. And uh, he, he would enter them as little kids in these city big wheel races for like toddlers and he would train them. He would, no, I'm not making this up. He would put concrete blocks on the back of their big wheel and have them ride them up a hill to make their legs stronger. And they wiped out the competition every time they compete in a citywide big wheel race. And today one of them's an Olympic athlete. So there, there, there you go. Uh, then you kind of do the big wheel thing for a while. And then you graduate to a little bike with training wheels. And then one day you take the training wheels off. And man, you are free. It feels so good when you're a kid to get your bike. You, you remember your first bike? I can remember mine, man. Uh, this will date me a little bit, but I had a bike uh, that was known as a Stingray bike. Anybody remember Stingray bikes? They had a big banana seat on them. 
And then they, they had like a, like a big, they had a big banana seat and then had a, a handlebars that came up like that, like, like you're riding a Harley or something. And as a nine-year-old boy, I thought I was the coolest guy on the planet riding that Stingray bike around. And I, I, I collected baseball cards. So I would take baseball cards and a clothespin. Anybody ever seen a clothespin before? It's this wooden thing that you like, like you used to have. And I would take a clothespin and, and put a baseball card, baseball cards in the spokes of my wheels. So I would drive around like, like I was riding a Harley. It was awesome. And I played a lot of baseball when I was a little guy and I lived pretty close to a park. So I'd ride my park down to baseball practice every day, ride my bike down to baseball practice every day at the park. And I had it perfected where I would put my, I'd put my glove on the handlebar and I would be riding with my glove kind of swinging along, you know, and I would get closer to the park. And I, I had this move down where I could jump off my bike one hand on, on, the, on this handlebar, take my glove off with the other hand and then jump off the bike and the bike would just keep rolling and hit the fence. And it was like, that's right. I'm here. I mean, nine-year-old cool. That's, I just thought I was the coolest guy in the world when I, when I had that bike. But then things start changing. I mean, literally they start changing. And this is kind of the next mode of transportation. And the reason I chose this was because there's that season in your life where you're not really in high school yet, you're not really a bike riding kid, you're just kind of in that wobbly stage of life. You know what I'm talking about? That, those middle school years where your, your voice is changing all the time and you know, you're a four foot six boy with a six foot girlfriend. I mean, just, it's just that last one day, you know, it's just, that's just the way it is. Things are wobbly, things in your body are changing. You're getting zits and all kinds of stuff. You're going, what in the heck is happening to me? And it's just kind of a uneasy uh, uh, time of life that you just hope to get through, right? And then one day you, you trade this in, you do finally get into high school and, and you get your driver's license. That's the next mode of transportation. Doesn't it feel great when you first get your license? I mean, so some of y'all probably just got your license, some of you high school students. Man, it just feels so good to get your license. I remember when I first got my license, I'd, I'd go anywhere my folks wanted me to go. Need some milk? I'm on it. I'm going to the store. I need me back out of the driveway? I'm backing out. I just wanted to be in the car because it just felt like, ah, oh, yes, I'm, a, I'm an adult. I got, I got my driver's license and stuff. Uh, you remember your first car? Yep. Well, shout out, what was your first car? Wow, I didn't hear anybody say my first car. You know what my first car was? My dad was an eclectic guy and he worked at the post office. He bought me a mail truck <laughs> for like 250 bucks, a big box truck. And, and you, had the, you had a stool on the right side with a door that opened up, you know? I'd sit on this stool like this, driving this mail truck, man. I mean, chicks dig the mail truck. No, they didn't. They made fun of me. But that was my first tr motor transportation. And my dad, he taught me how to drive in a cemetery. He said, Mike, pull in there. You can't kill nobody. <laughs> okay. So I, that's how I learned how to drive in a cemetery. Not, not kidding you. But man, you, you get your hands at 10 and 2 and then you're, you're behind the wheel and it feels like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm like growing up. This is, this is awesome. And pretty soon, you know, I, I, my, my first car, when I graduated from the mail truck, I actually got a car, had a bench seat in it like this. So your girlfriend slide really close to you, you know, and you're sitting there with one hand on the wheel now and you got one hand around the girl sitting next to you. It's just, 
it's just an awesome, awesome experience. And then pretty soon, you, you, know, you, you got car seats in the back and you're driving a minivan and some kid's kicking the back of your seat the whole time. And, and then one day you wake up and you're driving around with an older person going to dinner at four o'clock. I mean, that's just kind of the way it goes. It's just that's, that's the progression of, of the whole thing. And then, then you get to the point in your life where you go, you know what? I'm tired of this routine stuff. I'm, you know, I need some adventure in my life. I'm, I'm never, ever going to drive another minivan as long as I live. And so you kind of go through this midlife thing and you go out and you get one of these. And you get on this thing, man, and it feels so good. I mean, it's like, get your motor running. Down up on that highway, born to be wild. Yeah, you're driving this thing, man, and the, and the wind is blowing through you, your, your scalp, and and are uh, you, man? It's like ah, I'm alive. Oh, uh, that's why your next motor transportation's this, because you had no business buying one of those. No way you should have been on that thing. But you just had to try it, get a little adventure in your life, you know. Uh, let, let me just say something about this because I, well, what, what's cool to me is that uh, every church I'm a part of, including this one, there are some of you that make great efforts um, in spite of your physical limitations to be here on weekends. I mean, some of you shuffle in here, some of you roll in here. And I just want to say on behalf of all the rest of us, you all are like heroes to us. You're your passion. Just to see your passion for being a, a part of this. And, uh, you know, um, I have some good friends that are, are wheelchair bound with physical limitations. And uh, we, the churches I'm, I'm a part of, we, for the last 25 years on, almost now, uh, we, we have thrown a prom for special needs students, and it, it's caught on around the country now. Tim Tebow Foundation picked it up and started doing it all over the world, actually. Excuse me. And uh, it's just a free prom uh, for students that have special needs, and uh, it, it's, it's just blown up. Uh, we just got through doing one in Ventura, California, where we now live, and it was so awesome to see. We had 550 special needs students that showed up. Free tuxes, free dresses, free flowers, free dinner, free limo rides. Red carpet, paparazzi lining the carpet with flashbulbs, DJ thumping music. It was incredible. And we had over 2,000 volunteers show up to pull this party off. It, it was one of those nights where you walk in and you go, such is the kingdom of heaven. And, and to watch these high school students and, and college students acting as dates or hosts for the night, dan you know, spinning wheelchairs and dancing with people with physical limitations and mental uh, limitations, uh, just making them feel special. Really, really like VIPs. Uh, for the night was just, uh, and to watch the parents, watch their student out there having a blast. It was just, just a thrill. Um, I think when I think of this, I, I think of uh, Johnny Erickson Tata. Have you, have you ever heard of her? Um, she, she's an a accomplished writer. She's a songwriter. She's a great musician. She's a great singer. She, she's a, a, an artist. She paints pictures, watercolors. Uh, but she's been confined to a wheelchair for almost 50 years now. She had a diving accident when she was 16, paralyzed her from the neck down. So she's been a quadriplegic for most of her life and it hadn't stopped her at all. I mean, she, she paints these watercolors by holding a brush in between her teeth. It's, it's amazing what she does. Um, she wrote a little book called uh, Heaven, Our Real Home. And in that book, there's a little section called Johnny's Waltz. 
And I just kind of stuck it in my heart through the years because it meant a lot to me. And she writes this, though I spend my mortal lifetime in this chair, I refuse to waste it living in despair. And though others may receive gifts of healing, I believe he has given me a gift beyond compare. For heaven is nearer to me, and at times it is all I can see. Sweet music I hear coming down to my ear, and I know that it's playing for me. For I am Christ's own bride, and I will stand by his side. And he will say, shall we dance? And our endless romance will be worth all the tears that I've cried. Isn't that good? <laughs> and then one day you kind of end up here. It's hard to get around anymore. Uh, you know, I, I, uh, I was one of those guys that thought I would, I, I, I've always been a basketball junkie, played all my life. I've uh, been a point guard all my life. And I, I thought, man, I'm going to do this until I die. I used to think that. <laughs> I, I was playing in a league a couple of years ago. I looked about three feet from me was a loose ball. I thought somebody needs to get that. <laughs> I, I'm not getting on the floor. I mean, it just, it, your body just starts breaking down. And it's just kind of the, kind of the, way, kind of the way it goes. Uh, so so I'm, I know this is kind of a philosophical, reflective type of thing, but the way I look at it, just the normal flow, and again, it doesn't always go like this, but isn't the normal flow kind of from the walker, the walker. to the walker is <laughs> kind of the way life is. Now, let me just give you a couple little principles that I've been learning along the way, and these are not earth-shattering, but I think that if they're just simple enough that if you stick them in your heart and you live with this in your heart, I think it can really help all of your relationships flourish. The first one is this, life is so short. Life is so short. I mean, all this right here, this happens like that. I mean, when, when I was telling you about riding my bike down to the park, when I was telling that story, it felt like I was, that three weeks ago, I was doing that. It just goes so fast. I remember old people used to say to me, now, son, cherish this time in your life because it goes so fast. And I used to think, yeah, that's just what old people say. <laughs> Now that I'm old people, let me tell you something. <laughs> Cherish this time in your life because, man, it goes so fast, doesn't it? It just does. I, I told you I live in Ventura, California now, and we have a thing called the marine layer that comes in over, off the, over the coast uh, almost every day. The water in the, in the ocean there is very cold, and then the air is warm, so it causes this fog to roll in in the mornings. And, it's, and it rolls in, and it's, it's, it's pretty dense until about 9 o'clock that it all burns off, and it's a beautiful, beautiful day. Uh, it reminds me of, of this verse whenever I see it roll in. It's James chapter 4, verse 14. It says, your life's like that. Your life's like the morning fog. It's here for a little while, then around 9 o'clock it burns off. And it's just gone. Like, like old man Moses wrote in Psalm chapter 90, verse 12, he said, because that's true, teach us to number our days and recognize just how few they are. Help us, oh God, to spend them as we should. There was this guy named Solomon. You talk about a guy that got hot and heavy in all the wrong ways. He was a relational train wreck. He did things the opposite of the way God said to do relationships. And as a result, he was filled with a whole lot of regret. But also as a result, because of the wisdom that God had given him, he looked back at his life and he wrote this really cool journal called Ecclesiastes. It's in the Old Testament of the Bible. You ought to read it sometime. It's a guy saying, don't wreck your life the way I did. And he wrote all the pitfalls. But he gets to the end of his journal and he says, let me just give you the conclusion. 
He says this in chapter 12, remember your creator in the days of your youth. When, when you're in this section right here, hook up with God early. That way you'll have a whole lifetime to walk with the person who created you to do life with him. Remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come and the years approach where you will say, whew, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain. He starts to get kind of poetic here. He's talking about those days when you get older and, and days are just longer and you battle with depression a little bit more and you feel times of loneliness and, and you're going to funeral homes a lot to visit friends that have, that, that have passed away. He says before... When, before the, the sun and the light and the, and the stars grow dark, when the keepers of the house tremble, what do you think he's talking about there? When you get to the point in your life where the, your hands start getting a little shaky, you know, it's hard to do little tedious things anymore. And strong men stoop, talk about all those trips to the chiropractor, when your back goes out and it's hard to stand up straight anymore, you're always stretching. Uh, when the grinders cease because they are few, what do you think he's talking about there? Yeah, your teeth start breaking, breaking down. Uh, and those looking through windows grow dim, talking about how your eyesight begins to fail. Uh, when the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades, he's talking there about you're not able to go to work anymore. You'd like to go to work, but you're just not able to do that anymore. When men rise up at the sound of birds, the older you get, the earlier you get up, right? It's usually to go to the bathroom two, two or three times. He says, when men rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint. The birds are chirping, but you can't hear them anyway because your hearing is going. When men are afraid of heights, where you say, I'm not climbing that ladder. I don't feel steady up there. And, and of danger in the streets, deadbolts, alarm systems, feeling more and more vulnerable. When the almond tree blossoms, that's when your hair begins to turn white. And the grasshopper drags himself along because you're shuffling and desire is no longer stirred. You can figure that one out. Then man goes to his eternal home and mourners go about the streets. And it happens like that. So he says, listen, don't do what I did. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Hook up with God in the beginning so you can live your whole life with him in the center of your life. Put him in the center of your marriage. Put him in the center of your family. Put him in the center of all your relationships. That's the best way to live life. See, life is short, but here's the other thing I, I've learned along the way. God is so faithful. Life is so short, but every single season, God is so, so faithful if you walk with him. Here's a good word in this ever-changing world. It says this about Jesus Christ in the book of Hebrews. Jesus Christ, guess what? He is the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Isn't that good to know as, as you change through your life? You know, some of you, when I was talking about this, I'm guessing some of you are right here right now. You're starting a young family and you got one of these in your house or something like it. And it's just, it's just challenging. Life has changed since you had a kid. I just, that's the way it is. And then when you have like two, it really changes. Then you have three, like it's over. It's just hard. Because that's, that's when you stop playing man to man. You got to go zone, right? You got because you got, you're outnumbered. And uh, it's, it's a blessing, but man, it's, it's stressful and it's hard. And uh, when, it, when it happens like that, just lean into God. Say, God, help me. 
I don't know how to be a good mom. I don't want to be how to good dad without you. I need, I need your involvement in my life. Give me the strength. Give me the peace. Give me the patience. Give me the self-control. And you know, when you, when you regularly walk with him and you allow the Holy Spirit to produce that kind of stuff in you, guess what? In the moment, you'll have peace. In the moment, you'll have patience. In the moment, you'll have self-control to be the best mom, to be the best dad you can possibly be. And I know some of you, when you look up here, you go, yeah, I hear you talking, man. We, 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 wish, we wish we had stuff like this in our house. Maybe you're like my son, Drew, and his wife, Laura, and you've struggled with years of infertility stuff and heartbreaking miscarriages and stuff like that. And I just want to tell you, God's with you. And God knows your pain. God knows the desires of your heart. And God, Scripture even says that God collects all of our tears in a bottle. He knows, and he's right there with you, and he's going to find a way to make those desires of your heart come, come to reality in some way maybe you don't even expect um, but God's with you. Lean into him. He is so faithful, even in those tough, tough seasons of your life. And, and, and maybe you got kids right now that are riding bikes to the park and they're doing, let them be a kid. Just let them be kids. Don't try to get too serious and make them a superstar when they're six years old. Just let them be a kid and experience the freedom of uh, of being a child. And may, maybe right now you're, you're somewhere at one of our campuses and you're going, man, this is my life right now. It is, it is super wobbly. I'm not real sure. I'm, I'm, I'm a seventh grader. I'm an eighth grader. I don't know how to handle this. And I mean, there's a lot of changes going on and I'm getting ready to start school in just a few weeks and I'm scared to go back to school. Let me tell you something, guys. Go back into that school knowing that you are a much loved child of God. That's where your identity comes from. You are accepted by the one who matters most. You walk through the school with confidence, knowing that God loves you exactly the way you are, that he's running around heaven with your picture out going, this is my kid, check him out. Isn't he awesome? Doesn't she have the best curly hair you've ever seen? I love her nose. I just love the way this guy is built. I mean, God just loves you. He made you. And go to that school this year going, yeah, I'm going to walk confident in the fact I'm accepted by the one who matters most. That really is the only thing that matters to me. And maybe you're, maybe you're in high school and maybe you're in that season where you got your license and I mean, things are changing for you and it feels like, wow, when did all this, when did I become like an adult type person? I'm driving a car and this is scary. Same thing goes for you. Just know that you're accepted by the one who matters most and he will, he will direct your path. I mean, the scripture says we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Just trust him along the way. Some of you might be heading out to college. I mean, you're, you're driving a car, you're packing it up and you're going off in a, in a week or two, going back to school and you're going, man, this is scary. I've never been out on my own like this before. And there's gonna be a lot of temptations, be a lot of chances to get a lot, get off the road and, and do what Solomon did with his life. But I, I, gotta, I gotta tell you, you know, just, just walk with God. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. And just live for him and, and, and watch, watch, your, you, you watch yourself soar from the inside out and develop relationships that are, that are healthy. And maybe some of you are at that stage now where you're kind of dating somebody pretty, pretty seriously and, and things are starting to get maybe a little hot and heavy. Uh, let, let me just say a couple things to you. First, first of all, do things God's way. I mean, sex is a great gift from God for married people. Sex is a great gift from God for married people. And do things God's way. Just lean into him and trust him. Why, why would you trade, trade in real soul-to-soul intimacy for just skin-on-skin thrill for a minute? You know, just get to know somebody and commit your life to them. And then, man, it just becomes this interweaving of souls. Um, the other thing I want to say to you guys is, and I'm sure this has been said throughout, this, throughout the series, but you remember the movie... Uh, 
Jerry Maguire, old movie, Tom Cruise, uh, Renee Zell Zellweger, uh, uh, Kuby Gooden Jr. Uh, the, the big memorable line, memorable line from the movie was, show me the money, right? You remember that line? Another line was, you had me at hello. Then there was another line, this makes me shake my head when I hear it. He looks at her and says, you complete me. I just want to go, Because <laughs> here's, here's the truth about that. There is no person on this planet that can complete you. If you're, if, you're, if you're looking for another fallible human being to complete you, you're setting yourself up for, for false expectations and you're putting expectations that are just unrealistic on that other person. Instead, let Jesus Christ complete you. He is the one that can complete you and you bring a more complete person. That way you can bring a more complete person to every relationship you're in. And when two complete people come together, man, that's a sweet thing because God's right in the center. In fact, we look for, uh, you know, this, this elusive thing called unfailing love. In fact, it says this, and uh, this is Solomon again, writing this in Proverbs 19.22. It says, what a man, what a woman desires is unfailing love. And gang, I've learned there's only one place you can get that. Only one place an unfailing love. We, we all desire 100% unfailing love. There's only one place you can get that. And in fact, in the scriptures, it says 44 times it uses the term unfailing love. Let me just show you a sampling. And every time it talks about unfailing love, it's talking about the Lord. It says this like Psalm 32 verse 10, unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. Psalm 33, the Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing Love. Psalm 36, how priceless is your unfailing love. Both high and low among men find refuge in the shadow of your wings, of your embrace. Psalm 130, verse 7, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is unfailing love and an overflowing supply of salvation. Psalm 17, I love this. Show me your unfailing love in wonderful ways. You save with your strength those who seek refuge from their enemies. Guard me as the apple of your eye. We all want to be the apple of someone's eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings, your embrace. And I love this. For all of you who might have struggled throughout this series because maybe of relational disappointment along the way, look what it says in Isaiah 54. Do not be afraid. You will not suffer shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated for your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. In fact, it says this in Psalm 68. He's a father to the fatherless. He's a defender of widows. That's God in his holy dwelling. In fact, God sets the lonely in families. He does that. He does that. Maybe you're the parent of one of these kids that's driving off to college. And uh, you're watching them pack up that car. And it's hard. Maybe you watched them walk down an aisle and get a diploma this year. Maybe you had a summer wedding. And it's just like, oh, my goodness. Well, I, don't, I don't know how to do this empty nest thing. Let, let me tell you something about the empty nest. It's a myth. <laughs> they come back. And they bring laundry. They bring bills. They bring all these little kids with them. We, 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 got, we got nine little grandkids right now. And we've been with them all summer. It's been a blast. And, you know, the grandkids are so fun because it's like shaking up a can of pop and handing it back. <laughs> It is. I don't care if it explodes all over you. We jacked them up full of sugar. Deal with it. It's, just, it's like payback. It is, it, is, it is so awesome. 
uh, if you're in that season, man, just lean into God so you can be a, a great empty nest type person and provide the kind of friendship and coaching that, that God, this is, this is the funnest season of my life where, where my kids are not just my kids, they're like my best friends. And we're just having a blast together and it's like helping them raise kids. It's just speaking into their life. It's just, it's just a blast. Uh, and, and instead of like seeking some thrill, like, you know, like for the second half of your life going, I'm missing out on something. I just follow Jesus. That'll be thrill enough for you. I'm telling you what the adrenaline rush you get from just following Jesus where he tells you to go and the things he asks you to do, you can't ask for any more adventure than that. It is so much fun. In, in, in fact, I, I read a book years ago by a guy named Bob Buford. He just passed away this year. It is a, kind of a famous book called Halftime. In the book, what his, the preposition of the book was, instead of looking at it like a midlife crisis, say it's halftime. And what, what do great teams do in the third and fourth quarter? They come out smoking, right? You've seen teams huddle up and go fourth quarter, fourth quarter, man. I look around here, there's some of y'all in the fourth quarter. I'm just being honest. Some, some of you are in overtime. Uh, <laughs> but here's the deal. We're all in sudden death, right? We came into this world terminal. We, we all, it's, it happens so quick. We're, we're all heading the same, the same direction. So why not trade in like a quest for success for a quest for significance? And say, you know what, the rest of my life, man, I want to pour my life in as many people as I can. I want to follow God's voice wherever he asks me to go. I'm going to use the freedom that maybe I have now to just do some things that really lift somebody. Just spend the rest of your life serving other people. I'm telling you, it'll be an adrenaline rush for you. And maybe, maybe you're kind of in this season where it's just not hard. It's hard to get around these days. You never dreamed you'd go to the doctor this much and have that many prescription bottles in your medicine cabinet and, you know, wow, this is, this is tough season. Or, or maybe you're not in that season yet, but maybe you're in the season that I, that I was in uh, where uh, your parents are there and you're having to care for them. I, that season where the parent becomes the child and the child becomes the parent. I'm telling you, it's not an easy season. Um, my folks were a little older when they had me. Uh, so that season happened a little sooner for me than it did for most of my peers. And I was an only kid as well. Uh, so I didn't have brothers and sisters to help me out. My wife was awesome. And I had some really good friends that stepped in as well and great care from other people. But it was a challenging season. Uh, my dad, uh, as I said, was a really eclectic guy. Uh, my dad was a character with a capital C. I can't wait to see him in heaven again. Uh, just, just a great guy, but man, he had challenges in his life. Uh, World War II veteran, uh, Purple Heart, decorated for bravery, uh, came back. Uh, his wife had left him while he was gone. Uh, PTSD, before they knew what that was, had struggled with that. Uh, paranoid schizophrenia, uh, he was bipolar, uh, so he was on medication. Uh, recovering alcoholic, had all kinds of challenges in his life, but he found the Lord and and uh, God really helped him manage all that. And my, when my dad was on his medication, he was like as normal and chill and just able to function, did great. I mean, really smart guy too, and just did a lot of cool stuff. But when he was off his meds, oh man, it was so unpredictable and so hard to manage. Uh, and when he was 80 years old, he, he just decided, I'm not taking that medication anymore. I'm going out in a blaze of glory. And wow, oh my word. For the last two years of his life, all I did was chase him around and clean up his messes. I mean, financially, it was just, it was just crazy stuff. He, he would just go to Lowe's and buy like 10,000 light bulbs. 
No reason, just bought them. Thought they'd be handy. I'd take them all back, you know. And, uh, one time a buddy of mine called me, says, bro, your, your dad came to our office today, he worked in an insurance agency, a big insurance agency. My, your dad came to my office today and brought 40 new sport coats and just passed them out to every guy in the agency. Said, here you go, new coat, new coat, new coat. He said, I got them all. I'll give them back to you. You can take them all back tomorrow. And I, did, I mean, I did that stuff all the time. And uh, one day, the same friend called me, says, bro, I just saw your dad. He was on New Circle Road in Lexington, Kentucky, going 100 miles an hour. Literally, he was going 100. I said, oh, my goodness, because he went 100 miles an hour all the time when he was off his meds. Anyway, just physically. Um, so I went over to the house, said, Dad, listen, you, you got to take your medication. I'm going to stand here every day and watch you take it because you have to. And here's another thing. You can't drive anymore. It was so hard to tell the guy who taught me how to drive in a cemetery, uh, <laughs> you can't drive anymore. I said, you're going to have to give me your keys. It was like the worst. And he looked at me in disbelief. And he goes, well, how am I going to get around? I said, I'll take you anywhere you need to go. Just call me anytime during the day. I'm, I'm going to make that my priority. I'll take you wherever you need to go. He goes, all right. He reached in his pocket. He got his keys, put them in my hand. I felt like a dog. I mean, it was an awful day. And I went home. I cried all the way home. I got home and felt, started feeling awful. So I called back an hour later just to check on him. My mom answered. I said, Mom, let me talk to Dad for a second. She goes, he's not here. I said, what, what do you mean he's not there? He went to the store. I said, went to the store. My dad played me in the moment so bad. Acted all sad, reached in his pocket, little puppy dog eyes, gave me his key. As soon as I was gone, he was out the door going 100 miles an hour. He had like five sets of keys. He totally played me. So I had to go back, get all the keys and get all the cars that he had collected too and sold them all. And it was, it was quite, quite an adventure. And uh, 82, he passed away of a heart attack. He crammed 250 years of living in the 82. And I can't wait to see him again in heaven in his right mind and doing great. And my mom at the same time had Alzheimer's. So it was a double challenge. Um, we tried to keep her in her home as long as possible when my dad passed away. She didn't quite understand what had happened uh, when he died. And it, I mean, it's a wonder she even was able to punch a letter on the phone to call us to say, come to the house. And my dad was was gone. Uh, so we tried to keep her in home as long as she could because she was pretty proud and a little stubborn about it. And so we tried creative ways to make that happen. Not stop by every day, make sure she was okay. And we even moved my daughter next door to, told my mom, I said, well, Jody's going to rent the house next door because you keep an eye on her, knowing that Jody was going to keep an eye on, on mom. And so I went by one day and I said, how you doing? She goes, not good. I said, what's the matter? She goes, there's a lady here, scares me to death. Said, said she, she's eating me out of house and home. I can't, I can't afford to feed her. And I said, where, where is she? I'm thinking, who is, who is here, you know? She goes, she's back in that back room. So I go back to the bedroom with my mom, and she stands in front of a full-length mirror. Because there she is right there. And I didn't know what to do. I knew I couldn't explain to her, that, oh, that's your reflection. I said, oh, Wow, she looks like a beautiful, nice lady. I'll, I'll take her home with me. She goes, good, get her out of here. <laughs> so I, I took the mirror off the wall, put it in my truck, and me and that lady drove home. So, so I go back the next day and say, Hi, how's it going? She goes, that lady's driving me crazy. So I had to take every mirror out of the house I could find. 
I go back third day, I said, how's it going? She goes, that lady, she's back. And I go, mom, no, she's not, she's, she's gone. I got, I, she's at our house. She goes, no, she's, she's in there. And I'd, I'd, I'd missed a mirror. It was, it, was, it was in like a little storage room on the back of a dresser. You know how they attach a mirror to the back of a dresser? And there was, the bottom of the mirror was like there and the top of the dresser was like there. So there was a gap in between the two. So when I pulled the dresser out from the wall to unscrew the, the back of the mirror, I, I didn't know whether like to laugh or cry. It was, there was a pile of food behind that dresser. Who knows how long it had been there. Where my mom, from her hand to the hand of that lady, had been feeding her for weeks. I mean, Pringles, green beans, jello. I mean, you just couldn't imagine. And I just stood there going, what are we going to do? We got to do something. And that started a series of moves to here, to here, to here, to here. And then the last two years of her life, she, she didn't know who I was. But, uh, but she knew me. And uh, I got to sit with her as she went to, went to be to heaven. And I know I'll see him again someday. And I got to tell you guys, it was hard. It was a hard season. But I felt like God just told me, listen, you need to say, so what, a lot. Like, so what? She wants to eat dessert first. So what if she wants to rearrange the room? So what? Um, and just bring the joy. Just say, so what, and bring the joy. And I just tried my best every time to go over just to, just to bring the joy. And the only way you can do that is to hook up with your creator in the days of your youth. And get to know him and lean into him and experience his peace and his patience and his self-control and his goodness and his kindness and his gentleness that you cannot manufacture on your own in moments like that. Just to lean into him and live your life with gratitude and joy. That's the way it works. See, God is so faithful in this short, short life. There's a, there's a verse of scripture that's meant a lot to me. In fact, I read it a lot. Uh, there, there, was, there was a couple, actually. One was Philippians 4, 6 and 7 that, that put on my refrigerator door. It says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, in prayer and petition, present your request to God, and he'll give you the peace that transcends all human understanding. That was my life verse during that season of my life. But this was the other one. It's in Psalm 136. And, I, and you know, the Psalms were songs, like song lyrics. So I, I want to read this like it, I think it was originally written to be read, uh, sung. So I'll, I'll read a little bit. I'll, like, do a verse, and you guys... Sing, sing the chorus back there. You don't have to sing it, just say it back. The chorus is, his love endures forever. And I want you guys to do it with full voice. Give thanks to the God of gods. Oh, we're gonna have to do better than that. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. Come on. To him who alone does great wonders. Who by his understandings made the heavens. Who spread out the earth upon the waters. Who made the great lights, the sun to govern the day, the moon and stars to govern the night. Give thanks to the God of heaven. His love endures forever. Gang, life is short, but God is so faithful. His love is unfailing and it endures forever. Trust him along the way. Follow his lead. Love him. Let him love you. Love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength so that you can learn to love other people for a lifetime. And if you will do that, your love will start to be hot and heavy from the walker to the walker. Let's pray together. Father, so grateful uh, for life. I'm grateful for Jesus that 
this life doesn't stop here on this earth, that we just continue to live, that we're, we're not a body that just happens to have a soul. We're a soul that happens to have a body. And these bodies break down and they wear out. And when this life is done, we just continue to live. And I thank you, Jesus. That's only true because of you. And so grateful for your death on the cross that has made that possible. Father, I, I pray for uh, everybody here, no matter what season of life they're in, no matter what relationship they may be in. God, I, I pray that they would know that you're real, that you're close, that you're faithful, that you're strong. God, I know there are some brokenhearted people at every campus. And I pray the day they would just know that there is a God who collects their tears. There's a God who pulls up close, who's close to the brokenhearted, rescues those who are crushed in spirit. God, that's you. That's who you are. And that's why we're supposed to hook up with you in the days of our youth. So we'll know that for a lifetime. So we can spend our days just walking with you and leaning into you because this life gets hard. But you're so faithful, God. You're so good, so kind, so strong, so wise. And God, I pray that today maybe, maybe somebody would decide to walk with you uh, through this life. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.